It's great to be with you and be able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning. I mean, we do it kind of every day, but it's good to officially celebrate with you this morning. Uh, we do have some fun things in, in continuation of our service. I don't know if you knew, but that song that Marley and Young sang, that was a Marley original. And I think that was the first time you sang that in public. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thanks for Young uh, for coming in and being with us in service and helping out with that. So it was great. Uh, we're going to go ahead and um, continue with our service. We'll let Joe get situated. He's got a baby. <laughs> so I have asked, I always love to have um, other people come up and share the pulpit and just share from the wisdom that the Lord has given them. Uh, both uh, from their lives and also from their uh, spiritual walk with Jesus. And uh, I've, I've uh, always enjoyed talking to Dr. John, Dr. John, <laughs> Dr. Joyce and John, and John. And so uh, I'm sure, you know, you know when Jill studied in, for her master's, I, through osmosis, learned so much about speech pathology. So I could technically have a master's, sort of, in speech pathology. <laughs> So I'm sure it was the same way, John. I honorarily call you a doctor as well. So uh, I've asked John to come up and share from his life experience and from his whatever the Lord has laid upon his heart. And so, John, I'm, would you go ahead and head up? Yeah, come on up here, sir. It is an honor and a privilege to have you in our body. And uh, we're just so honored that you're willing to share. And are you okay holding this? Okay. Good morning. You know, when Pastor Matt asked me to speak, I thought about what Paul said. He said, I've learned in all things there were to be content. And I just thought, Pastor, I'm very content just sitting out there listening to other people speak. We get some good messages from this pulpit. The worship is good. So you can bet I have gotten very, very confident and very relaxed just sitting there listening to others. However, uh, there are times when God just sort of shakes us out of our comfort zone. I remember uh, some time ago when I started going down to the Salvation Army. I go down to the Salvation Army every week. And uh, when I started going down there, I would just go in there whenever I could during the day. And I had the ability to call in uh, guys from their work assignments and just sit down. And they just wanted me to listen to them talk. I went in, they called me a counselor. And what was happening, they was losing a lot of the people within the first 30 days. Many of the people that would come in there would leave. And they were trying to do something that would cause those guys to stay for a while. And then after I'd been there a while, they asked me if I would uh, start teaching one of the, uh, the uh, uh, classes that they had. And my first thought was, God, what on earth am I going to tell these people? You have criminals, you have drug abusers, you have alcoholics, everything you, womanizers, everything you can think of, you, you have it there. And I was just saying, Lord, what am I going to say? 
I haven't done those things. I mean, the Lord said, are you a sinner? I said, of course, I'm a sinner saved by grace. So just telling you a sinner. One sinner talking to another sinner. What's the big deal? You know, we, we have a tendency a lot of times to make a lot, a big to do over nothing. We are all human. We are all sinners. We all have weaknesses. We all have strength. We all are in basically the same mode. It's just that God uses different people in different positions. Some he's called to get up here and speak, and some he hasn't. So as Pastor Matt, uh, as I was uh, studying, I uh, thought about, I just started reading the Gospels, and I was sort of intrigued by the conversation between the thief and Jesus. Yes. I just, uh, as I read that, that was only, the only one conversation that you had on the cross between two people on the cross. It was between Jesus. It was a question and it was an answer. And the, I sort of watched the progress of the thief. Uh, both uh, Matthew and, and uh, Mark talk about the fact that both of the thieves was, was yelling insults at Jesus. But when we get to Luke, when we find out that one of the thieves changed, and he said, and he started rebuking the other thief. And he said, can't you see that we deserve to be here? But this man has done nothing wrong, and don't you fear God? And then he turned to Jesus and asked Jesus to question. I'm just going to read that little passage here. Then one of the, th the criminals who was, uh, who was hanged, blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you, you, you and I are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly uh, deserve to be here? And then he said, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Assuredly I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. So what we have here is uh, this, one of the thieves having gone from condemning Jesus to seeing that Jesus was in fact the Christ. And the good thing I like about the question had he asked Jesus, well, first of all, he, he, he was able to look through all the confusion. There was a lot of confusion. Every, most of the people was confused. There was Pilate, who was so confused he didn't know what to do. He knew that Jesus was a righteous man. He knew that the Jews had delivered him there because they envied him, yet he felt pressured to go ahead and crucify Jesus. Then there was Herod, who just wanted to see some miracle that Jesus had performed. Then we had the soldiers, who Jesus to them was just some idiot who was walking around saying that he was a king and that he had done all of these great things. And it, it was so then, they didn't even take him serious. Then, of course, there was the women, 
who was weeping and crying, and Jesus spoke to them and said, don't weep for me. Then there was Mary who was there at the cross. There was John who was there at the cross. And Jesus' close disciples, they had just, they was totally baffled. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what had happened because this was the person that they was assured sure would be the, the Messiah. They never saw the first, uh, the uh, Jesus coming in his bodily form and being crucified. That was the part they didn't see. But they saw him on the cross there and all of their hopes, all of their ambitions, those who wanted to be said that Jesus is right and that Jesus is left, they didn't know what to do. They was totally confused. And of course, that was the religious leaders. They were making mockery of Jesus, talking among them, saying, saying he saved others. Why can't he let us see if he can save himself? So we had all of these different attitudes, all these different emotions, all these different words that was coming. And this one thief had evolved to the point where he could see beyond what was going on. And he said, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. And when I saw that phrase, remember me, I thought about Samson. If you remember Samson, he prayed that same prayer. He said, Lord, remember me, strengthen me, and kill me. <laughs> Think about it. This was a man that was desperate. He was in the same, he was in a state of shame. And he was desperate. And he said, Lord, remember me. Now, when he talked about, Lord, remember him, he, of course, he was talking about going back to his birth. Going back to the time when the angels had appeared unto his parents. And when the angels had told his parents what form of life he was to live. He was to live a restricted life, the restricted life of a Nazarite. And along with that vow that he was born with was an anointing that gave him supernatural power. Now he stood there in shame. Even though he had done many great things, many mighty things, even though he had killed many of the Philistines, and that was the purpose of his life, was he was born to kill Philistines. He was born to begin to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines who had them in bondage at that time. And now he found himself in shame people making fun of him. It was a celebration that the Philistines had called and they had a, said that their God had delivered Samson unto them. Samson had gotten himself in trouble and they had put out his eyes and he was there. Now they called him out and he was there and they were making fun of him. It was had to be the lowest point in his life. And in that situation, he said, Lord, remember me. But he was talking about, remember the glory days. Remember my purpose. Remember for which you call me. Remember. 
And as he did that, of course, we know the story how the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was able to kill more Philistines then than he had killed his whole life. When we go back to the thief, we see the thief saying, Lord, remember me, but he was talking about a different time. He's saying, Lord, I want you to remember him in the past. Samson was saying, remember my past. He's saying, Lord, I want you to remember me in the future. And then he said, when you enter into your kingdom. Now, if you look at the situation the way it was, Jesus was dying on the cross. Nobody, not even Jesus' closest disciples, saw a kingdom after that. This man was dying. Jesus was dying. And he was able to look beyond the cross and see Jesus in his kingdom. So he was the only one out of all of the groups of people that was there at the cross. Out of all of the people that Jesus had had contact with. You can go back to Pilate and all of the others. This thief on the cross was the only one who could really saw who Jesus was. Does that tell us something? Sometime in our most shameful moment, sometime when we are really down and out, sometime when we don't know what to do, sometime when we really feel ashamed ourselves, we feel like we've really blown, blown it. It is in those moments sometime when Jesus reveals himself and he actually tells us who we are. And that's exactly what Jesus did to him. He said, not only, <clears throat> he said, today shall you be with me in paradise. Now here's the thief dying on the cross. <laughs> Neither one of them had any future, according to what people believe. Nobody had any future beyond the cross. But this thief asked Jesus to remember him, and Jesus said, today shall you be with me in paradise. Now, what he's saying here is that this thief was elevated to the state where he had received Jesus as his personal savior. And Jesus was telling him the things that comes with us when we receive him as our personal savior. The first thing is that it's an instant thing. Jesus didn't say tomorrow or the next day. He didn't say, look, you here on this cross, you haven't been baptized. You're a bad boy, you're a thief. I don't know, I can talk it over with the Father. See what the Father says? Maybe you can make it in. Think about it. The moment that we receive Jesus Christ, instantly there are blessings. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. At that moment, it doesn't that he becomes a new creation. Yes, we have to grow. We are babies. We need to milk of the word, but... We have to grow, but in that instant, we have everything that Jesus is. So she, we were new creations. He had 
been adopted into the kingdom. He was now a son. No longer were he an alien outside, but at that moment he was a son. And he was still hanging on the cross. So this is the benefit of us accepting Jesus. Many of us feel today, I'm sure, that we've blown it. Some of us feel like that we're in a state of shame. Some of us are just quite confused. We don't know what's going on. I mean, we look at the world today, we look at things that are going on on the international scene, on the inter and the national scene, in our communities, in our homes. Some of us are just quite confused because this isn't the way that we thought it should be. But the problem with us is that we can't see beyond the cross. We can't see beyond the circumstances. We only see a Jesus who is as crippled as we are. You know, I work with people, and uh, some of these people, they think they're saved, and some are not, but as I just watch them, and for a lot of them, Jesus is some little guy that they take along by the hand, you know, and they lead him along, and they tell him they love him, and they will go to church on Sunday morning, but Jesus is not Lord of their lives. Some of us, Jesus is not Lord of our lives. There are times when God has shown me that I'm not the Lord of your life. You are somebody who are telling me what I can do for you rather than letting me, him, Jesus, tell me what he can do for me. This is what Jesus did to the thief. He elevated him to a place of victory, to sonship, to a new creation. And old things had passed away, and behold, all things had become new. And that was a journey that Jesus was going to take him on. Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise and when I saw that, I wondered, where is paradise? There's a lot of discussion about paradise. We can get a little bit of understanding when we think about Lazarus, the rich man and Lazarus. What we saw was that there was uh, this two holding tanks in the heart of the earth. One was hell, and the other one was called Abraham's bosom. bosom. The Bible says that the rich man died and he went to hell. The Bible says that Lazarus died and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Remember, hell is automatic. All the sinner has to do is die and he goes to hell. But it takes the assistance of the angels to get us into paradise. Is he had two holding tanks. The Bible says when Jesus died, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. In other words, Jesus went to this tank in the heart of the earth, and he speak, preached to the spirits that was there, 
and they included all of the Old Testament saints. These were people who were saved, but during their lives, they hadn't met Jesus. I heard a preacher say that Jesus saved them on credit. <laughs> they were to receive the benefits of their salvation at a future time. Jesus went there, he preached to them, he opened up the graves, and Matthew said that many of them were seen walking on the streets of Jerusalem. I just like to think that on their way to heaven, they stopped by Jerusalem to say hi to some old friends that was there. <laughs> there are some that even talk about the 24th Psalm, where it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Some people believe that that is Jesus' descent into hell and those everlasting doors was thrown over from forever and those saints came out. So this is where we, the, the thief, met with Jesus because he was a part of the Old Testament covenant. As I said, he hadn't been baptized. He hadn't gone through the rituals. And Jesus said, today, you shall be with me in paradise. So after the uh, resurrection, after the uh, paradise, after Jesus had let the people out of hell, delivered them, I thought about this thief saying, remember me? I thought about Samson saying, remember me? And I thought about me saying, God, remember me? And the only way that we can get through many times the problems that we have, the situations that we are in, is that we have to see beyond the situation that we are in if we can look at another person and see beyond what we see, if we can look at their hearts rather than looking at what we see, if we can see the heart, this is what the thief did. He looked beyond the cross and saw Jesus' heart. When he saw Jesus' heart, he saw a pure heart. He saw a man that didn't deserve to be on the cross where he was. And when we look at others, if we can see beyond what we see, if we can see beyond the situations that are in, whatever those situations are, and if we can do that, we can see their hearts, and we can see that we are all just sinners. We are only sinners being saved by grace. We are all in the same predicament. We are all in need of a savior. And God is there to extend to us the same thing that Jesus extended to the thief. 
He is there to tell us, today you are my son. Today, if you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Today you are a new creation. Today you have been made a son. This is the day that I have begotten you. Today, not tomorrow. Today, not next year. Today, not after you have gone through some rituals. You have had to learn a lot. Yes, he wants us to grow as I said, and growth is a part of our Christian life. We must grow, but God is here. So Christmas, uh, Easter, I'm sorry. <laughs> Christmas is the birth of Christ. Easter is his death and resurrection. When he rose from the dead, he had conquered every enemy that we have and he's made it possible for us to look beyond the cross whatever crosses it is that we have and we can see him thank you can't top John. I'm not going to try, so I'm just going to do communion. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to share a scripture with you real fast. Uh, ushers, if you guys will go ahead and start passing this out if people haven't picked one up. This is actually one of my favorite uh, scriptures. It's in 1 John 5 if you want to open up to it or you can just listen. I'm going to tie it into what John just said. Who is the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus Christ. He is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit the water, and the blood. Now, I know that's not your typical scripture when you think about communion. Most people are going to read something from the Gospels, do this in remembrance of me. The way John wrote this reflects what he wrote in his Gospel when he describes the spear going into the side of Jesus on the cross. And out came the water and the blood. Throughout Scripture, water often is used as a symbolism, as a symbol for God, for His covering. This is why we are baptized in water. It is a symbol of being fully buried in God. It represents our burial and full covering by God. But these three testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. It is by our burial and partnership with Jesus Christ on the cross as His body, which was not broken. His bones were not broken. He was pierced in the side and out came the water and the blood. He had been beaten and destroyed. But He rose victorious. 
We are saved by His love on the cross, by His blood. We are covered fully by God, and the Holy Spirit moves to make us more than conquerors as we follow and believe in Jesus Christ. This is whom we think about and we remember when we take our communion. The wording there also reflects something Paul wrote. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest example of love that we've ever received is Jesus Christ on the cross and his blood freely given for us. The hope that we have is engendered in the baptism that we take when we recognize that we are fully covered in God and are called into his kingdom out of the kingdom of darkness. And the faith that we have is because the Holy Spirit testifies for us and brings us into his home and into his arms. These three testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. God, my Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, for his pierced side and for his body on the cross. Thank you, God, for his sacrifice. Thank you, Father, that, that through his sacrifice, he has shattered the gates of hell and of death to allow us the freedom and the hope to enter into heaven with you. Thank you, God, for Jesus' body. And God, thank you for his blood. Freely shed. Thank you, Father, that his blood covers over us. That when you look at us, you don't just see sin. But that you see Jesus Christ and that he stands in the gap. Thank you, Father, for Jesus' blood. Amen. What a great word of encouragement this morning from Brother John. I love it. It was great. I want to continue in the same vein. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of, book of Luke. The book of Luke, book of Luke, chapter 24. I'll try to be done by 1.30 because I know you all have lunch plans. I'm just joking if you're a visitor here. Bless you, Lord. I'll let them finish collecting, and then we can jump in. Let's go ahead and pray over the word.
Father, we thank you for being able to gather together as a family, Lord, as a community, as brothers and sisters in faith, Lord, uh, because of your death, burial, and your resurrection, Lord, especially because of your resurrection. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you not only uh, met us, Father, but you have changed us and brought all of us lonely people into family. Thank you, Lord, for the family that we have here, that you have made us a part, and the heavenly family, that we, is the extended family that we're, we're going to go to, Father, and, and are a part of now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your wonderful work, the hope that you have given us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for it. Lord, as we talk a little bit more about the, some of the practical things of your resurrection, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give each of us an individual revelation this morning, a rhema word that we can grab a hold of, Father. I thank you, Father, for it. Holy Spirit, you preach your sermon. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. And amen. So Luke chapter 24 uh, talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It kind of is an overview of what happens according to Luke's gospel uh, and what he saw and what he had heard because uh, Luke was a, later on was, uh, wrote this from, from what he had investigated. And so beginning in verse 36, we begin to see uh, Jesus' resurrection and what happens to the disciples at this point. Uh, let me just read a little bit here, verse 36. And as they were talking about these things, the disciples were, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace, peace to you. So you have to jump back in here. I love the way John did that with, uh, with the uh, thief on the cross. And, and think about where these guys were, these men and these women who were located in this room, having conversations where they were in practically so that we can relate to it. Otherwise, it's just words in a book, and we don't really understand how each of us, our lives, how we uh, walk through this. So here these guys were. They had all of this picture of what was going to happen. They had followed and worked with Jesus and given up their lives for three years, three and a half. They had followed him with an expectation that it was leading to uh, Jesus setting up his kingdom, them being on thrones on either the right-hand side or the left-hand side of Jesus, having power and authority, having prestige, uh, you know, all the things, the successive things that we look for here in life, even today what we look through. They were, had expectations of this, even the triumphant entry that we talked about last week on Palm Sunday, as Jesus is coming in, they're all the crowd. You can imagine the buildup of excitement and the, the conversations that were going on among them on the side as all this was happening of, wow, this, this is really happening, guys. We've talked about this for three and a half years, and look, this is really happening. Maybe it's time, you know, I start looking at better clothes. I, I mean, look at me. I've got a fisherman's garb, and, and I, just, I need to dress more like Matthew because Matthew, you know, has got the money and, and I need to dress more prestigious because we're getting ready to be in charge and all these guys are going to be looking up at us. We're going to be the ones because look at the way the crowd is now and here we are walking behind Jesus. You know there had to have been a little bit of puffing up and a little bit of an excitement of, you know, making sure my suit's right and my tie right and I'm walking. I'm, I bet there was a little bit of a strut as they walk behind Jesus, you know, because all these, they're, they're in the know, they're in the in crowd, they're with Jesus. They weren't floating holy, oh yes, he's about to be crucified, 
yes, we all know this, we're very humble. No, I'm sure they were very fleshly. They weren't saved yet. They had not been redeemed. They had not been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're just like all of us who get in the busyness of it, get in the flesh of it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is arrested. He's taken. He's beat. He's falsely accused. There is no justice. There is no power to intervene. We're scared out of our wits. One guy ran out of his clothing, so scared. Peter denies him when he has the chance to, to be the big man and, and make it and stand up for Jesus and all of that. He denies him three times. Even I think it says in one of the Gospels that he possibly cursed. Blankety blank, 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 I didn't know him. This is a low point. And then Jesus is put on a cross and he's killed. He's dead. And then he's stuck in the grave. And they're not even really around. So this is what they're going through, guys, when all of a sudden, Jesus, on that morning, walks into the room and says, peace to you. John talked about hitting that low point and getting that revelation of Jesus. Generally, we're in the midst of, man, uh, I'm the lowest of low. There's the shame there. There's the hopelessness. It's at that point we see Jesus in a new way. That is the message of the cross, of seeing Jesus in the fullness of his power when we're no longer looking at him through the filter of our ability, our strengths, our personality, our goodness, our class, our know-it-all, our strut, whatever it is. We're no longer looking at Jesus in that. We're broken enough that we're seeing Jesus for who he actually is. And at that point, his power hits us, and doggone it, we are changed, and we walk in the resurrection power of Jesus, no longer in the power of my personality, my giftings, my callings, or whatever. We come into the message of the cross, which is Jesus crucified and raised from the dead, victoriously risen and seated at the right hand of the Father, and I am seated with him, Ephesians 2. That is the message of the cross. That is the victory. But it comes from us being at that place, like, like John said, on the cross where we realize, man, I've been mocking him. I've been looking at my own strength, but I deserve everything I got. But I see in Jesus the power of redemption. And I receive it. This is where the disciples were. And they get this revelation. And Jesus begins to say to them, guys, things have changed. How many of you like change? How many of you do whatever you can to avoid as much change as possible? I love you. I'm going to tell you today, if you want to grow, it takes change. Change generally comes from areas of discomfort. Jesus wanted these guys, these ladies, these leaders to change. And it took them being put into a place where everything that they believed and they thought and they looked for fell apart. And Jesus called it 
promotion. How many like promotion? You know, you work hard at your job. You, you work hard. You, you do it, and then you're, you're entrusted. There's better salary. There's bigger benefits. There's maybe higher vacation. And, and it's because you're promoted. There's a prestige. There's an honor. Well, Jesus' idea of promotion is you have been faithful with little. Now I'm going to give you more. But it's going to cause and call you into change. This is the message of resurrection of Jesus. It was change. Everything they were looking for changed. Everything that was normal for them changed. You, you do remember that for three and a half years, they walked around with Jesus and he built up. He was building this really big ministry. You know, it was great. It was well known. Everybody talked about him. There were all these miracles. And they got to walk around and every now and then even do a little bit of miracle themselves. See it come out of their own hands, you know. Preach with authority, cast out devils in the name of Jesus. And all these cool things that he sent. But it was then Jesus was gone. And now it was like, we ain't got this anymore. We don't have it. What's that mean, Lord? Are you going to rise from the dead and do the ministry here now? They even asked them that in Acts 1. They said, okay, Jesus, are you coming into your kingdom now? Let's give one more chance to set up this worldly kingdom here in Jerusalem. And Jesus is like, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons of when the kingdom. You go and do. Jesus promotes them. They went... Uh, a promotion is actually an opportunity to grow and change. That's what a promotion is. They went from followers who assisted Jesus to followers of Jesus who lead. And that's a pretty big difference. There's a responsibility shift. They changed. Both of those were caring for other people and pointing people to Jesus. When they were following and assisting, they cared for people and they pointed them, yeah, Jesus is right there. The only difference now is I'm responsible and I'm pointing people to Jesus. If you want to grow in Christ, if you want the resurrection power of Jesus to flow in your life, it requires you to take responsibility to step out when he calls you and to come into that change and growth that he has for you. That is the resurrection power of Jesus infiltrating your lives and calling you into greater opportunity to know him. It's uncomfortable, but it's good. So what things changed for these guys? Very practically, they had a perceived direction change. They were heading in the direction of setting up the kingdom, and that went out the window. So everything they had worked toward suddenly changed. Have you ever experienced one of these directional changes in your life when Jesus kind of opens your eyes and you realize, uh, you, you know, it's coming out of the same giftings and the desires, but you are heading in the wrong direction? And it's like, uh, whoa, Jesus, you just pulled the rug out from underneath me. I'm kind of mad at you right now. I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. Da, 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 da. And you make all these excuses. But at the same time, this is a change where he shows you what I want to do is not what you want you to do. And it's a surrendering. It's a direction change. 
but it releases us to come further into what Jesus wants to do on earth, setting up his kingdom in the people around us and less about us. It was also a shift for these guys. It was a shift in their goal or reward or their motivation. What was important and why are you doing it? It was a complete shift because they could no longer look forward to that, you know, one of those thrones that are sitting next to Jesus there in Jerusalem. It went away from that. It was no longer, it, it changed and they had to get a, the new motivation. Where do I want to go? Sometimes Jesus asks you to lay down where I want to go and pick up where he wants you to go. Another one was the strategy, the whole strategy that they had anticipated to walk this out. The how totally shifted. How do I want to do it? How do I want to get there? I got a new way for you guys. I'm going to endow you with power and you're going to go out and you're going to be my witnesses. And what you're doing now isn't going to take place. But because of that, Thomas went to India and preached the gospel. Because of that, we've, I visited his tomb there. The southern part of India is full of believers. Because of Thomas, he didn't stick around there in Jerusalem and build up the Jerusalem movement of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came on and said, Thomas, I got something else for you. And the relationship completely changed. They had gone from Jesus being right there next to them. They could go over. I'm like, Jesus is asleep, like in the boat. They could have gone and laid down next to him and kind of nudged up against him and felt Jesus there. That's a completely different relationship to, you know, I trust you, Lord. I trust that you're with me. And sometimes we don't like that shift in relationship, but that shift in relationship doesn't mean that we have failed. That shift in relationship is us being called into more resurrection power of Jesus. Because it requires more trust. Jesus says this, this to them, and he tells them, I want you to wait until you are empowered from on high. He says this in Luke 24. Why does he say, wait to be empowered from on high? Because you have to see Jesus in who he is to get the resurrection power of Jesus to enable you because you cannot do this on your own. But when you see Jesus and you get this new revelation of Jesus and his resurrection, you are empowered on high to do even greater things. You have areas of your family where you need the resurrection of Jesus. You need to see Jesus in the moment of your weakness. You need to see who he is, how his strength is. You need to see him and say, Jesus, take me there. And then the resurrection power of Jesus changes your life. Changes your family. The other major thing that I saw that Jesus did here with, with all of these people, this 120 that had stuck around after, after Jesus had died and rose from the dead, it was a shifting from a groupthink to an individual to some extent. It was a group calling to an individualized calling, an individualization 
of the commission. They worked together, don't get me wrong. And they had times when the Lord would bring them together to do things. Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, etc., etc. But it was also a very individualized going down to, I have an individual relationship with Jesus. We just don't, as a group, hear Jesus say something and go, oh, let's, let's talk this through, let's follow. It is, I am hearing the Lord. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm a new creature in Christ. And what that does is it shifts the responsibility of the giftings. Instead of just Jesus doing it, it is Jesus does it in me. Jesus does it in you. 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 And you, 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 and you. It's a personal responsibility of my relationship with Jesus that shifts no more just the group think. So we gather here as individual followers of Jesus and worship the Lord together. That also means that each of our giftings are different. Peter's walking it out was completely different than the sons of Zebedee. Now, if you don't know it, the sons of Zebedee were like sons of thunder. They were highly, high passionate. They were like, oh, call down fire, you know. Yarr! They were like that. And Peter is the jovial, I'm going to make everybody like me, and, and loud and type personality. And then you get Thomas the doubter, who probably has an opinion, but he's not expressing it right now. Oh, I don't know about that. I can hear him in the background. I don't know about that. Mm. And each of them walk out their individual relationships with Jesus and their callings and their giftings in it. Now, why is that scary? Because there's nobody else I can blame. Probably the biggest. It's just me, Jesus and me. Now it is Jesus and me for each tomorrow, for every heartache and every sorrow. I know that I can depend upon my newfound friend. Forgot the rest of the words. It's Jesus and me. And it is. It is Jesus and me. And Jesus and you. The resurrection power of Jesus is what changes your life and affects the area around you. Your mission field, your co-mission field is where Jesus has you right now. And it is wonderful to see and, and beautiful to watch the power of Jesus change the world around you. You're not a second thought out there that it all happens around me because I'm the pastor. And you come in and try to get geographically close to me like it was with the disciples. Get close to the pastor so that maybe some of this will rub off and happen in your world too. That's not the way Jesus intended it to be. Jesus intended it for all of us to have direct connection to him, to hear him, and to carry his light through the power of the Holy Spirit, his resurrection power, 
where we are in our world and see him radically change and affect and bring his resurrection power in our world. And we gather together to encourage one another and to have us who have, have uh, older, wiser, be able to speak wisdom to help you in your individual walks. That is the resurrection power of Jesus. That is the message of the cross. Can Jesus save your world? Can Jesus save your world? Is Jesus big enough for your world? Is he big enough? Well, the answer is yes. That's the message of the cross. That's the message of the man on the cross, the thief. That Jesus is big enough. You just have to see Jesus. You have to see Jesus as big enough. The thief on the cross had the revelation of who Jesus was, which blew me away today. I mean, I never really thought about it, John, about how he sat there and he goes, man, I'm dying. Jesus, you're dying. But that doesn't limit you, does it, Jesus? I see my limitation and I see your lack of limitation, even though I'm looking at you and you're dying. So Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, hey, remember me. I love that. What faith that's available to you. There was a shifting of provision. You know, because it used to be one bag that Judas Iscariot held and stole out of. And then everybody else got doled out. And when you needed something, like they needed to pay the temple tax, they went to Jesus. Jesus, we need to pay the temple tax. He said, fine, you go fish, and you'll find two coins in there, one for me, one for you. And all of the provision was in that group. And it shifted to me individually. Jesus sees me and is able to provide for me. Jesus sees you and is able to provide for you. That's when we get the grace Instagram verse of Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's that individual, individual provision. God is able to make, um, what's the other verse? Philippians 4.19, that he's able to meet all of our needs. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you. I had a brain. Bless you, Lord. And then direction. It used to be we all moved in one little group together. And it is now very individualistic of where you're going. Where is Jesus taking you? Right now, he's brought us together. We're all a family. At the same time, you leave from here, and you go out individually, and you carry Jesus and his resurrection power into your area. It doesn't, you know, the great thing about it, guys, is when you walk out those double doors right there, it's not like Jesus is like, oh, I'd love to go with you, you know, but I live here. Come back and see me. You know, my power is limited, and I can only go so far from the pulpit. It's not like that at all. Jesus goes right out with you. Jesus is with you. The power of the Holy Spirit is with you. Where you are in the middle of that. And you can ask him. Go, go figure. You can in the middle of a problem go, okay, hold on just a second. I need to hear. Jesus, I need direction, Lord. Give me wisdom for this. Holy Spirit, I need strength. I'm having an argument with my spouse. I need, I need, I need to see her as you see her. And I need wisdom on how to walk through this and not be an idiot. 
or how to lead my family as a guy. You know, or I've just lost my job, Lord. I know it didn't surprise you. I need wisdom. Or, Lord, I need to make a decision about the future. Do you have any thoughts? Or my car just broke down, Lord. What do you think? Or, God, I, you know, I used to do this when I owned the computer store. I would, people would bring in their computers, and I'd be like, I have no idea how to fix this. And I would stop, and I'd pray, and I'd say, Holy Spirit, I know there's something here that I'm not seeing. Would you lead me in the direction of getting a solution for this? And I tell you, it wasn't like, second later, I'd have a thought, and I'd Google it, and it would lead, I'd read, and it would lead me right to the answer. That happened multiple, multiple, multiple times. You're not alone. This resurrection power wasn't just for the thief on the cross. This resurrection power is for you today. It's the same. It's available. It's there. That is the message of the cross. Not just that you're forgiven, but that you are raised together with Christ Jesus where you are right now. And you don't have to listen to the dictates of the enemy, letting him tell you what you're supposed to be doing or your limitations or God's limitations or anything else. You can tell that to shut up and you listen to Jesus and you see Jesus and you say, Jesus, I know you're in your kingdom. I trust you. I'm seated next to you. Lead me in the right direction. Basically, for the resurrection power, one-third of us are at the stage where we need to receive, statistically. One-third of us are at that point where we are like, okay, Lord, I need to receive your resurrection in this hour. I need to see it, or in this area. I don't see it. I don't see how it works in my family. I don't see how it works in my marriage. I don't see how it works in my finances, or whatever area it is. I don't see how, how I can share the gospel with my neighbors. I don't see how your resurrection power works in this area. Give me a revelation. The next third are at the stage where they've already seen it, but they're struggling with the follow. Because Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and follow me in this area. You've seen who he is. Now he says, come and follow me in this area. And one third struggle in that following. And then the final third are struggling with learning to lead. Okay, I got the revelation. I know how to follow, but I don't know how to... Explain this to you. I don't know how to share this with you. I don't know how to, without coming across as judgmental or coming across as a jerk or uh, coming across as uh, without empathy, learning how to lead others and minister to them. More than likely right now, you're in all three areas at some area of your life. And this is normal. This is who we are. This is the marathon walk of faith to see the resurrection power of Jesus flowing in us and us influencing the world around us where he said, go ye therefore and make disciples. That's what it is. It isn't some magic. If we could just have the presence of God come down and then everything would be okay. We've got the presence of God in us. It sure is nice. I've been in the services when everybody falls out drunk and there's just crazy Holy Spirit things going on. It's fun. But in practicality, it's awful hard to live that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In practicality, the way you live is the walk of faith. Getting with Jesus, 
Jesus, show me. Jesus, okay, I've seen it, I'll follow. Now, Jesus, now that I follow, help me to lead others. And on and on and on. Expanding the kingdom. Reaching all the thieves on the crosses. Whether it's you or somebody else. The resurrection power of Jesus, the power of the cross, is for you today. Jesus did it for you. Will you receive it today? Will you say, okay, Lord, I want this. If you've never received it ever, today's the day. It's real simple. It's simple to say, Lord, I want to give you my life. I recognize I can't control. I recognize I'm not good enough. I recognize my sin, like the, like the man on the cross. I see myself as undeserving. Would you come into my life? Would you remember me? Would you save me? And Jesus' answer is, today I am saving you. It's easy to do that and make that decision. Commit your life to Christ. And if you've already committed your life to Christ, commit yourselves to growing in your faith. Growing in the promotions of the Lord. Growing in your giftings and callings. Growing in the joy. Learning to receive, learning to follow, and learning to lead. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person sitting in this area of the church. And I thank you, Father, for uh, just your callings and your giftings on them. The power of your resurrection in each of their lives, Lord Jesus. Lord, reveal to them the power of the cross. Let them walk more and more as your disciples in the victory that you have for them. And let them take it out into their, their ats and just fill their ats with your glory, Lord Jesus. I pray the same over this area of the congregation. That you would just individually speak to them and deliver and set free and bring your victory in every area, Lord. And let them carry it from here into where they are. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. School, work, everything, Lord. And I pray over this area of the congregation. Lord, that you would just bring your revelation greater and greater and greater. Just the, the breakthrough that you have, Father, to bring the victory, Lord, in their individual lives as they submit them to you. And then on and on and on, replicate, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, that nothing stands in your way, Jesus. And so, Lord, I'm getting out of it and following you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you're going off, hopefully, enjoy some Easter lunch, fellowship, whether with the Lord or with other people. Dine with Him this week. Spend some time hearing from the Lord what He has for you. Let Him open your eyes of His goodness. Amen. God bless you. Amen.